0: This is Ron Friends, comics illustrator, and this is a bumper for the amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle, all the questions and the webs left out to tangle, be in 1962, or last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. the amazing spider of the amazing spider Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Kavostin and I'm the editor and founder of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com.
1: And I'm Mark Giannacchio, a guy with a buck and a dream. Also, I'm the editor uh, at uh, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com and the founder of Chasing Amazing Blog.
0: Great. What's that dream, Mark?
1: Oh, if I tell you, it won't come true.
0: Is it, is it a dream to buy an Amazing Fantasy 15 for a buck? If I
1: tell you, it won't come true.
0: All right. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll move I'm, on. I'm holding
1: firm to this. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm remaining mysterious, Dan. I want our readers to be enticed, perhaps a little a little teased and tickled.
0: Well, listeners, if you can successfully guess Mark's dream, uh, we'll give you a buck.
1: There you <laughs> go. Because
0: you'll have successfully ruined his dream. And a free comic code. Right, there you go. <laughs> well, as always, everybody, thanks for joining us for the twenty point one episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of the bigger picture. It's it's a double
1: X.1, <laughs> if we're being all Roman about it. Yes, there you go. Rocky 20.1. Rocky's Revenge. So for this episode, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man number twenty point one by Jerry Conway and Carlo Barberi. We'll read your comments and emails, and then we'll blaze through some more Flash Thompson's reviews. Which means I have this idiot in my house again, Dan.
0: We got to keep inviting him back every week. If it used to be biweekly.
1: I know, but you know, we can we can thank Marvel's schedule and our own schedules for this. So. Yeah. Um,
0: Or lack thereof.
1: Exactly.
0: Of course, everybody, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Well, Mark, while everyone is still caught up in Secret Wars, it seems odd to say this, but let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 20.1.
1: Dan on number 20.1 which this whole this whole point one system now seems really obsolete since the third volume of amazing spider-man stopped at what was it 18
0: they must it must have proven with all these point ones that they could sell more books if, and make it feel more official to Canon because in the past they would just release this as its own miniseries
1: oh absolutely I mean it would be you know kind of like we, we've seen that what was it like the American Sun mini Series and stuff like or the House of M miniseries. You know, I guess if, if this was to be done, it, it, these books would be point ones now, but whatever. That's not the point. Because we got a comic to talk about, Dan. So uh <laughs> <laughs> um so this was the fifth and final part of Spiral, and this kind of shows to be the culmination of of the gang war and 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 the wraith or Yuri uh base. Uh spiral or descent into uh breaking bad so to speak you know dan I, I i you know i think with each issue i've kind of cooled a bit more uh, to spiral and and unfortunately i think this was probably my least favorite of of the series it just felt felt rather flat and that there could have been more there and and it just didn't deliver um what, what did you think
0: I'm right there with you Mark. I wrote in my review this t- issue this series did not end with a bang it ended with the sound of inevitability.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, you know I know we sometimes make a joke about oh it's not it doesn't end with a bang but a whimper but I think inevitability is 100% the right adjective of choice. It's like everything was where you kind of, you know, in a safe way predicted it was going to be and and i don't know what we ultimately got out of this series beyond having jerry conway back on a book which was great and and i still love how he writes spider-man as a character but you know i i, I just don't know this the story i think will probably we'll probably move on quickly from this story
0: Yeah, and in many ways, because all the events happened before issue 18 of Amazing Spider-Man, it just – it feels like we've already moved on from it. Well, we've got Secret Wars and this book releasing on the same day, and I don't know who's still really caught up in in this stuff. I mean like the whole universe has been destroyed at this point. Yeah, we're going to get it back again, but Peter's going to be – essentially Iron Man, and will the results of this gang war really mean anything? And then the further question is, were there any results from this gang war?
1: Yeah, Dan, I think that was my biggest issue of all, was this idea of of consequences, and, and not just in terms of, does this matter in terms of the long-term continuity of the book, but but also, I mean, just, just even within this story, um, I feel that there were some problematic things in terms of things being kind of brushed aside and resolved too neatly. I mean, you know, Dan, I mean, the, the, the the book opens with, uh, well, besides the, the twenties era gangsters, uh, which is
0: a weird, which which is weird, right?
1: Yeah. It's, it's a little weird. Well, you know, remember Hammerhead's uh, origin is that he was, you know, bonked on the head. And then, uh, you know, when he's reanimated, he wakes up and sees a, like an Al Capone poster or something. So, um, you know,
0: and now he's forced that onto all of his henchmen.
1: <laughs> Com- so comic books, Dan. Comic books,
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Um, but but beyond that, I mean, at the end of the day, Spider Man is a book about responsibility, and and I, I I don't get the sense here that you know there was this tease that perhaps this was his fault and that there would be consequences for maybe his lack of awareness or whatever. Um, but you know in terms of how this book was resolved that never came through do you do you get what i'm saying
0: yeah i i never had any sense like uh, myself to, that i would blame it on on peter in any way yeah i mean they they they, they made a somewhat valid point you know
1: this idea i mean it, it, if anything it's you know and it's funny i feel like since conway has started this series He's referred to superiors the superior Spider-Man era even more than Dan Slott has. You know, but this idea that when Otto was behind the mask, that his, you know, over zealousness in terms of cleaning up the crime element uh you know made this, you know, the 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 Jenga puzzle, you know, that the Jenga analogy, you know, kind of made it, t- you know, too many pieces were taken out too quickly. Um, and they made the whole thing topple. I get that. So, I mean, you can kind of, again, tie it into this idea of Peter mistakes being made and whether it's directly his fault or not, that can be argued. But, you know, so what are the consequences? But there really aren't because, you know, he webs everybody up and has a few catchphrases. And, you know, the only consequences are with Yuri's character who... Again, I don't know if I care enough about to make this the meat of the series.
0: Well, it's not even that; just that we don't care about her. It's that this is the same exact plot beat that we've been getting for the past three issues of is she or isn't she going down the path of violent vigilanteism? you know? And, and I don't think anybody doubted for a second that that's where she was headed – and it kind of in the end, I know that we were praising this book for making Spider-Man look mature and intelligent and proactive, but he kind of ends up looking like an idiot. I mean, he he has a lot of faith in his friends, which is you know a plus. But at a certain point, like I think everybody, and maybe it's because we're the readers and not Spider-Man, but like everybody saw where this was headed, you know, and and even and as a reader, that's a negative. Not you know not just because Spider Man looks like an idiot, but because the ending is so pat and expected that it's not surprising at all. Like I was hoping that at the end of this maybe Spider Man will be put in some kind of moral conundrum where he had to make a choice, you know, with no easy answer. Um, maybe maybe along the lines of the choices that Yuri is making. You know, we see more death. Caused by his inability to go to a place as dark as Yuri is able to go to, that might have been an interesting ending. But when Spider-Man can punch people one time, including Mister Negative, and knock them out, like <laughs> where is the where is the uh, dramatics here?
1: Yeah, I mean, like like there was one moment where I thought maybe like Spider-Man was going to have to aid in Mister Negative escaping. You know, because of what was going on with Yuri, but we didn't even get that because he kind of keeps Yuri at bay and then captures Mister Negative. You know, like you know, like like you said, like there needed to be a choice or some kind of dramatic beat that sold the moral quandary, the moral gray area here. But there is none. It's it's, and I mean, in, in terms of what you were saying with the inevitability of this, I mean. Not only do we get this beat repeated in this story, but I mean, like, didn't we get essentially this story with the Wraith in the Anti-Venom arc from Dan Slott back in the day?
0: Yeah, we did. And and not to mention even that, we get the story with Jerry Conway back when he introduced the Punisher. That's essentially who she becomes by the end of this story.
1: Yeah, very, very true. So, yeah, I, 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 I just, I, I, I. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what, what, what can you say? Hey, uh, you know, we saw Shocker with some gang of D-list villains. I know you've been clamoring for that, Dan. So there's that.
0: <laughs> I guess, but then he's captured off-panel, which is the other thing about this issue. You build into this gang war, and then it all just, you know, like the the sound of inevitability. It gets cleaned up off-panel, like, with no help from Spider-Man, or so we're led to believe. I think there's even a caption that just says, things in the third district would just return to normal. And it's like, oh, really?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, exactly. Exactly. Uh, And we got this scene with Spidey and Black Cat, which, you know, I I think when we got Spidey and Black Cat earlier in this series, um, we both kind of liked that character interaction. We thought that um, Conway's writing maybe added some layers there that we weren't getting with Felicia. Uh, But here it's just kind of like, you know, I got that sense of uh, just, you know, that annoyance with this character turn again. You know, it's like won't listen to reason. Uh, you know, and, and Spider-Man just seems kind of like helpless to do anything about it. I mean, he even says like, it's in the text, like, I, you know, this is a fight I need to have, but not now. And you're just kind of like, Ugh. so right? then why,
0: so then why include it? Like, right. well, exactly. there's nothing in a, in a final issue, things should be coming to a close, not like dangling on even further, you know, right. like why include this moment? with Felicia it leads to nothing it doesn't develop the story at all
1: I mean if anything I guess it 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 puts forward the idea you know like she talks about how she's going to kind of you know pick at the carcasses when everything's all said and done um so I I mean if anything it sets up when we do return from Secret Wars she's probably still going to be a prominent figure in the background which again I don't know why Marvel is so hell-bent on making Black Cat such a primary antagonists, but they are.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's... it's, We won't even go into it. Right. (laughs) I will say I was... There was a smile on my face when a certain character got a mention. Donald, the inner demon, my favorite (laughs) character. You just like the name. I just think it's funny that there's one inner demon who has a name, and it happens to be Donald. And, yeah, and he apparently he died last issue. I don't necessarily remember that happening, but apparently Donald died. So rest in peace, Donald. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> rest except in well, peace, except, except for your name, we knew your name.
1: He's the Donald. Hey, he's got class. All right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh You're my moron. God! I would You're pay. Moron. Se- I would pay serious money for Donald Trump, the Inner Demon, the comic. <laughs>
1: I got my inner demons, okay? You got you you moron. Um <laughs> So, um yeah, so can we talk about the final scene with this this the where the spiral analogy is explained? Cuz I actually had some like literary issues with this and I don't know if I'm being particular, Dan.
0: L- lay it out for me, Mark. Well,
1: you know, so we kind of get this you know, we're, we're we're kind of focusing on Yuri here, and you know, again, the, the the ring of inevitability aside, you know, she's talking about in terms of spirals. This, you know, the the metaphor for what happened to her character. It's this idea of well, spirals. Um, some some go up, some go down, and then she says, and some go round and round. And I kind of took umbrage to that because I mean by virtue of its definition a spiral is something that curves around a fixed point so thus it's always going round and round not sometimes you know it could it could spiral up it can spiral down but a spiral is the same circular motion regardless so I I don't it, it sounded nice and pretty but didn't make sense to me and that was the whole final beat of the story so it's kind of like uh, oh okay
0: well it's kind of an out of nowhere metaphor that's right. never been established in the series prior to this and right I, you know it's one of those things where you're like well you know a spiral is an interesting visual conceit like why couldn't that have been worked into the story visually if that's a, where they were going with this
1: Right, I mean, I kind of like the idea of you know the spiral representing a, a descent of some kind, uh, uh, you know, a circular descent of uh, of a character, and you can maybe make that argument. But then again, you know, then why didn't why wasn't the series named you know the amazing wraith or what did I say last time the 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 the, the radiant wraith or the uh, the radical wraith or <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it, it, it's this is clearly you know. In terms of where the character went, in terms of any kind of characterization development, this 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 was meant to focus on her, not Spider-Man. You know, like I don't feel that Spider-Man spiraled, I neither up or down in this series.
0: Well, we, get this, just kinda, we get this weird revelation from him saying, like, "Oh, there's darkness in all of us," as if he's only just now realizing this. And you're right. like, uh, "Hello, Spider-Man!" Like from your origin story onward that's been a key part of your life right
1: right you know we he's he's had his moments of darkness yeah i think jerry conway has written some of them so um,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um maybe,
0: maybe the most pronounced ones
1: yes yes um so yeah just 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 i don't know i don't know what happened here dan i mean again this this is it's this is still a fun comic book to read in terms of watching Spider-Man do Spider-Man things. Um, but it it ultimately, ultimately this didn't feel terribly distinct. And I guess that's where it's a bit of a disappointment. Um, and the, the art, the arts, we've been talking about it since the first issue. Um, it, it doesn't work for me here. Um, do you have anything to add about Barbary's art here?
0: It's difficult to read. The coloring is all wrong. Uh, you've got these orange flushes of color filling the backgrounds. And then we see the sky and it's like bright blue, like the most brilliant day ever. And you're like, who is designing this color palette? It's so radical and all over the map. It's like this – did you ever read the all-new Ultimates book? Yes. You did? Uh, yeah. Uh, where the colors there were like something out of like a neon nightclub. And I feel similarly about this except everything is like tainted with rust. And it's just like – everything just clashes. It's so hard to look at and want to invest yourself in. Uh, I, You know, I'm going to leave it alone. But I, yeah, this art. It never worked for me.
1: Yeah. Well, Dan, you have anything else to add to this?
0: One thing that I has been consistent throughout this series that's kind of baffled me, and I don't know that I've brought it up on the podcast, is this timing conceit where every time we change scenes, we get this label of what time of day it is. And I, it's like weirdly specific. It's like 2.01 p.m., and I always thought to myself, like, what am I meant to be getting out of this? Like, knowing that it's all happening on the same day, or how Spider Man's able to get around the city, and like what time it is. But like, it's so weirdly specific that it like called attention to itself unnecessarily. And like, it's not a problem. I just, it just seems such a weird and arbitrary thing to include.
1: <laughs> I I I, I have no insight on that, Dan, but I don't disagree with that. It just seems a little.
0: I'm curious to ask Jerry Conway about it when we inevitably talk to him about this book.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I
0: but,
1: mean, he'll. I hopefully he'll have a. I'm sure he has his reasons.
0: Yeah, sure, but yeah, I don't know. I I I guess my real takeaway from all of this is that. As an end of the story, this, I feel like this doesn't really work. But if this was like issue two of a story, I'd be like, okay, yeah, let's see where this goes. This is like, uh, you know, Game War is going, we've got these dubious characters, but so much of this just felt like stretched out to an, ins- and maybe it's just the scheduling, but uh, so many repeated beats, like, why couldn't this have been like a two issue book? I was gonna
1: say this feels like a three a three part arc for me. At the end of the day, I think this is three three issues of, of of comic book story that was stretched into five. Yeah, because I mean, you know, it's it's and we talked about this before. It's that writing for the trade mentality. You know, you gotta you gotta fill at least five comics worth of arc for a trade now. And that's unfortunate because, you know, this story probably would have been a lot more effective in three parts. Why don't we get to your grade?
0: Sure. Sure. Uh, My grade is going to be a C for this one.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to say C as well, Dan.
0: It's about average.
1: All right, Dan, well, now's the time of the show where we go through your comments and emails. Uh, in terms of comments, uh, we would love to hear from you on our iTunes and Stitcher pages. Uh, so go on there, search, search those pages for Amazing Spider Talk or just Spider-Man and give us a rating and leave us a comment. Uh, also, if you do want to email us something a little more in-depth about anything you hear on this show, hit us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. And if you're more inclined to do things in 140 characters or less, tweet at us and hashtag it OK to print.
0: Mark, it looks like we got one comment. So uh, why don't you read it for us?
1: Yeah, well, this one's from Invisible Lad. It says, great. Five out of five stars. Two guys who know everything there is to know about Spidey. Heck yeah, I'll listen. Love the show and keep up the great work.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Invisible Lad. Well, we got two really great questions today. Um, The first one comes from Adam Chapman, who does the podcast Comic Shenanigans, that I uh, co-hosted, or I guess I was a guest star on the show with him this past week, and it should be launching next week, so I recommend you guys all check out Comic Shenanigans. It's got some nice behind-the-scenes of how Mark and I do this show in it. But um, he has a question for us, and that question is, what is your favorite spider-man starring miniseries
1: well Dan do you do you want to go first or you want me to go first
0: it doesn't matter to me
1: all right well um, you know I <laughs> I think I think you and I might have the same one so I'm gonna be different than you
0: in fact <laughs> and, i know we have the same one
1: yeah we might have we might have talked earlier uh i guess i guess it's my way of saying that this would be probably my second favorite my favorite this is the one dan is gonna say but my second favorite <laughs> is uh the spider-man uh human torch mini from 2005 which was written by dan slot and with art from ty templeton yeah, this this looks at the entire history of these characters and this very unique dynamic. I know we've talked about it a little bit on the site the last few weeks, Dan, through the Spider-Man Fantastic Four list. Um, but yeah, so needless to say, this this miniseries will end up appearing on uh, the list. Dan, what's what's your favorite miniseries?
0: Well, I, I can speak for both of us as our favorite series being Spider-Man Reign.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we said
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding you to it, Mark You said Spider-Man Rain off mic
1: Don't ever make that mistake
0: again <laughs> Alright, I'm sorry Well, you know, the funny thing is looking When I, when I saw, got this question, I went to look And there were only really like Half a dozen Spider-Man miniseries That I could say that I actually really like You know um, And I guess the, our favorite one Is Spider-Man Blue Um which is, if you haven't read it, it's the uh, the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale comic that uh, has Peter kind of reminiscing about his days with Gwen and their romance and some overarching multi-villain story drawn in very retro, Dick, uh, not Dicko, Romita-esque style. And uh, it's just an amazing story and really hi- highlights what's great about Peter's relationship with both Gwen and MJ. Um, and you also get some great battles from classic villains. I mean, there's nothing not to love about this book.
1: Yeah, and, and Dan, I was surprised to see that uh, there was an advertisement for Captain America White and that's going to come in September, I guess that because I, I think that series was originally part of these books because there was Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, and there was going to be a Captain America White. It never happened. Um, So I guess we're getting that series now.
0: In the back of Spiral, yeah. There was an ad for it.
1: So go figure.
0: Who would have thought? We'll see how it is.
1: Um, Indeed. Uh, So the second question is from our superfan, Scott McElroy, who wanted to ask what our favorite Spider-Man cartoon. Well, Dan, I went first last time, so now you go first.
0: My favorite Spider-Man cartoon, anybody that listened to my interview with John Semper Jr. will know... (laughs) My favorite cartoon is Spider-Man, the animated series from the 90s. Um, Now, I have to admit, I've only seen like five episodes of Spectacular Spider-Man. Just because I've just never really gotten into it. Um, It kind of seems like a retread to me of like Ultimate Spider-Man and normal Spider-Man mixed up. And I'm sure it's great. But my TV watching time is very limited. So I've been watching things like game of Thrones and, and other entertainment that's more directly suited towards me where I can be surprised by the story. And I'm sure there are surprises in spectacular Spider-Man, but yeah, Spider-Man, the animated series from the nineties is definitely my favorite.
1: Well, Dan, I, 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 for me, I guess I'm dating myself a little bit here. I, 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 a lot of these cartoons that, that you're talking about, I mean, that, they were kind of from the 90s, and and I was kind of out of watching cartoons around that point. I know I read comics, but I can't watch a cartoon. Uh, I, did, I did watch Spider-Man the Animated Series a little bit, and I thought it was pretty cool, but I, I can't say I watched any of those series or any of the current series with enough regularity to have a real opinion of them. So I'm going to have to be a loser and... Of all of them, probably pick Spider Man sixty seven, even though it is terrible. Uh, <laughs>
0: not, not Amazing Friends. Well, see, I was so
1: young when I saw Amazing Friends. I I watched that as a kid. I definitely did, but I don't remember anything from it except from the theme song.
0: <laughs> I de- I definitely watched the Juggernaut episode like a hundred times as a kid.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I I guess I just never got that replay value out of it. <laughs> um, but Spider-Man 67, honestly, uh, silly, silly enough. My, my son, my three-year-old son currently demands a couple times a week that I put that on because he likes the theme song, which, and who doesn't, it's probably the best comic book show theme song outside of Batman. Would really? you, would you say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Batman's kind of a cheat because... Uh, it depends on which Batman you're talking about, but Batman the Animated Series is kind of a cheat because it's kind of Danny Elfman's theme. Oh, no, I'm
1: referring to the original Batman 66.
0: Oh, you're In talking about na 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 batman
1: Because it's so freaking iconic. Yeah, that's you know true. I mean?
0: You're right, you're right.
1: Um, and that's kind of how I feel the, the Spider-Man theme is from the, the 67 show. It's very iconic, and my son loves it. Uh, then we we always inevitably put the first disc of the DVD set on, so I get to watch like, Doc Ock kidnap Spider-Man like 500 times with Betty Brant. <laughs> so there you go. That's my pick.
0: We're two old fogies is, I guess, the real answer here.
1: Yeah, sorry if we couldn't be more riveting with that question.
0: Speaking of... Uh, riveting? <laughs> riveting, yes. Let's go into our Flash Thompson's Flash Reviews. Guess who's back, Mr. Govazdin? Oh boy. I guess it's it's inevitable at this point.
1: Well it's yes, it's inevitable seems to be the theme of the of the show, you know. It's it's interesting that you uh reviewed a comic book called Spiral today because it reminded me of all the times I would dip Puny Parker's head upside down into the toilet bowl and give his hair a spiral, a little, a little uh, what do you call it, a swirly or, uh, or an ice cream cone
0: thingy? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I do, Flash. Uh, you want me to give you one of those? Well, I, I actually probably would feel pretty good right now in the heat of L.A., but unfortunately for you, Flash, I'm bald
1: well I could just rub your head against the bottom of the toilet bowl, see what happens, you know <laughs> <laughs> see what gets cleaned first what, right
0: uh, i I think it's gonna be the toilet
1: all right, all right, but uh, you know anyway, so i just I just thought I'd share that story about what a good, good guy, a good pal I was to Parker back in the day, but
0: flash, uh, you seem pretty mellow today, well, you know.
1: I'm getting a little old. I think I've got to go take a nap.
0: All right. See you later, Flesh.
1: Wow. I, I, you know what? I think he's still smarting from when you said that he looked like Steve Buscemi last week.
0: <laughs> I'm sticking to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he definitely I, – I saw a little twinkle in his eye when he talked about rubbing your head against the toilet, whatever that was about.
0: Mark, but, uh, I wouldn't fall asleep with the door unlocked if I were you. <laughs>
1: All right fair enough well I, I I do have a little more hair than you do, but not by much uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any hair is more hair than I've got
1: yes, but uh as 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 the as our drunk friend announced uh we're gonna do another round of flash reviews today um just because uh these books have kind of been building up, and our recording schedule has been kind of erratic so uh we're gonna we're gonna talk uh three new books for now um and uh, why don't we start with Spider Island 2. And Dan, why don't, we, why don't we mix it up? Why don't you go first uh, with the minute and uh, and we'll take it from there.
0: All right. Sounds good.
1: All right. Let me count you in. Three, two, one.
0: Spider Island 2. Well, I don't think this story is the most brilliant thing I've ever read. Far from it. I'm getting some perverse fun out of this new conceit. That for these characters to succeed, they have to mix their genetics with that of various monsters. Gage has given us an Iron Man that's been exposed to a goblin formula. And I gotta tell you, Mark, I love that idea. There's an idea I never knew I wanted, and now I can't wait to see what happens to this character. This is big, dumb, 90s fun, and I have no idea what's happening or what the character's goals are. But either way, let's bring on the Monster Squad. I'm calling this one Fan Club Certified. All right. All right, Mark. Three, two, one. Yeah, Dan, like you,
1: I, I don't know, man. This book, it's weird in the tone, not what I was expecting, but uh, I'm kind of grooving on it. Uh, hey, if we got Cat Wolf in a book in a totally unironic way, speaking of 90s, my goodness, and and that's impressive. Uh, Flash is a lead role in a book that has the size and scope of this seems a little odd. Uh, especially, uh, and, and also with all the action sequences, there's still not a huge sense of how these guys are going to combat the spider queen in a meaningful way, but I remain intrigued. Also Paco Diaz's art is beginning to really grow on me as this book, as it's very dynamic and very fast paced. So I'm going to say fan club certified.
0: Look at that. We're enjoying this book. I'm just waiting for this book to get terrible and it might be terrible, but it's just so such dumb fun. I can't help but smile when I'm reading it.
1: it. It 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 could become a so bad it's good kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it might already be there. But oh my goodness! Uh,
1: Speaking of bad,
0: <laughs>
1: ultimate, <laughs> ultimate and number
0: four, three, two, one. Mark, the things are finally starting to come together for this series, and I'm beginning to see how all the pieces fit together. We've got a significant step up in terms of writing and artwork, but what I'm really interested in here is that the Punisher seems to be operating as Bendis' mouthpiece. And and the way that I felt about the Ultimate Universe for a while. First, he blames the all-new Ultimates for not being a better team and uh, not of being more quality. And then he repeats that he wished he had ended this universe a long time ago. Even if the rest of this book is nonsense that should have been handled in a one-shot, I'm committed to my theories about the Punisher being Bendis. Still, I'm calling this one Puny Parker. (laughs)
1: My goodness, that's probably more credit than The Punisher has ever received in his life.
0: (laughs) What about you, Mark? Let's count you in. Three, two, one.
1: Nope. 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 I mean, really, what else do you want me to say? Nope. (laughs) I mean, I know this book has some iconic creators attached to it, so it's probably unfair of me to be this way, but I'm I'm beyond the point of offering any kind of real criticism because this thing just feels completely phoned in. For me, Punisher stuff aside, this plot makes zero sense, gives no indication that this is any kind of actual send-off for Ultimate. At this rate, this is going to probably top Ultimatum as the worst Ultimate story ever, and probably one of the worst Marvel stories of the past 20 years. Puny Parker.
0: Yikes. Did you, did you at least dig on the Bagley drawing of Miles at
1: the end? Yeah, I mean, that was fun, but it, again, it, who, 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 which miles is this and do we care?
0: No, nope. no, I definitely don't care
1: And then, and, and, you know, yeah I mean, there's some There's some, there's some flashes And, and I, like I said, like you, I enjoyed some of the Punisher stuff I don't know if I had the same theories as you But um, this, this, this book is an insult to me and Much in the way a lot of people thought Ultimatum was an insult
0: I think Did you, th-
1: Go ahead I was saying, Are you an Ultimatum fan? You're not an Ultimatum
0: fan You know right? what? It's the only Ultimate comic I've never read I don't own it, and I have never read it, and I own every other printed issue.
1: See, I've read it because it inevitably comes up in certain lists that I've done over the years for like listicle articles. So I kind of wanted to know just how bad it
0: was. I know enough about it. and I, I, I think I read part of the first issue enough to think I need to avoid this. Right. But I, maybe I should give it a read one of these days just so I can experience how tremendously awful it is.
1: And, like, I mean, and just like this book, book, I mean, that had Jeff Loeb and, uh, was it, Joe Mads on it. So, I mean, you would think, oh, wow, this is a good book, right? No.
0: Well, I didn't pick it up because Ultimates Volume 3 was so terrible. And I was like, well, this can't be any better than that.
1: Yes. Yes. Remember, they're twins because they love each other, like, love each other.
0: Oh, really? (laughs) I didn't pick up on that subtle thing (laughs) that was going on. (laughs) Anyway. Spider
1: Woman number nine. We're, we're we're gonna move move out of the mar- the the whatever. Spider
0: Woman number nine. Go for it, Dan. <laughs> in three, two, one. This is a textbook example of how to do a comic book right, especially comic book storytelling. Hopeless and Rodriguez are an unstoppable team, and this book continues to be one of the best things going at Marvel currently. Even if I'm not desperately hoping to find out more about the town that Jess pulls into in doing this issue, the artwork and storytelling are so well-paired, I'm willing to go just about anywhere with these creators and characters. The double-page spread of Jessica taking out a half-dozen cowboys while silhouetted against the lights of pickup trucks was stunning. If you aren't buying Spider-Woman, you're missing out on a real gem. And if you're teaching comics, this is the book you should be teaching people how to create comics out of. Fan club certified.
1: Wow, that's high praise, Dan
0: Alright, well let's hear what you have to say about it in three, two, one.
1: Yeah, Dan, I, I agree I mean, I really hope that the new pregnant status quo that we're going to get in October Doesn't throw off what I think has been consistently the best read uh, At least from what I've been reading from Marvel since Spider-Verse ended uh, I mean, for this issue, I like that we, we have this kind of casual road-tripping narrative. It's very breezy. It's light. It's fun. It grounds the book, makes it more relatable, makes it more street-level, while also removing the necessity of huge set pieces and world-conquering villains. We don't need a Doctor Doom here. Uh, and then we get the inclusion of Porcupine, which is just one of those things that's great. Like was the case with superior foes, I can't actually say if the characterization of Porcupine is true to the character. But it's consistent, and it's great here, so I'm good with it. Fan club certified. Why don't you take us home, Dan?
0: Yeah, it looks like it's that time, Mark. Well, everybody, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcast at superiorspidertalk.com, or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk.
1: And be sure to check out our Facebook pages at facebook.com slash Talk. At Facebook.com slash chasing amazing. We'll put up articles. We'll we'll tell you what Flash is up to with the swirlies. Uh, you know, all that fun stuff on Facebook.
0: I'll even put a picture of my swirly on Facebook.
1: I don't want to see your swirly. <laughs>
0: also don't forget to check out our sister podcast the ultimate spin hosted by brian kyle and noor i guest hosted on the show this week to talk about ultimate end number four and spider-man sorry spider-men and it was a lot of fun so you'll be getting that episode real soon so keep your eyes out for that
1: i'll have to download that dan i should always be downloading it so shame on me
0: shame on you mark
1: Uh, Our theme song, courtesy of Rylan Bojack, and our outro song comes from Magic.
0: So thanks to them again, and also a special thanks to Nick Cagnetti, Ray Sumser, Ron Friends, and Sal Buscema for our show's amazing artwork. Mark, where can we find you on the internet this week?
1: Well, as always, or as always from the past couple of months, you can find me on superiorspidertalk.com, where I'll be counting down the best Spider-Man Fantastic Four stories. We're through the first three entries, right, Dan? Sure. We got some more surprises coming. Are you happy with the list so far, Dan?
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see how much deeper you're able to dig into obscure Spider-Man Fantastic Four comics. I know that you have a mind for Marvel team-up and stuff more than I do, so I'm excited to be introduced to some comics I've never heard of before.
1: No doubt. Uh, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at Chasing ASM Blog. Dan, where can I find you and your non swirled head?
0: Of course, you can find me as well on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or our Twitter at, at SUP or you can follow my personal account at Dan Gavazin on Twitter. You can also find me on grindmyreels.com for my movie reviews, and I guess that's about all the exciting things I've got going on this week. But, Mark, I wanted to tell you that I was talking to your very much alive Uncle Ben the other day. (laughs) This time he's alive. And okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And of he course ma- he's alive.
1: Of course. Yeah, I he, saw him a, last week.
0: He's always been alive. Right. Okay. So and, right. He, and he mentioned something to me that he was struggling with some inner demons recently. I'm a little worried about him. Are those inner demons he refers to something I should be worried about?
1: Uh, yes, his inner demons. Well, here's the thing. My, 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 my Ben, my Uncle Ben is a bit fascinated with this one guy named Donald. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, and this Donald guy, he's, he's, he's a bit boorish. He, you know, is insulting to women. Uh, he's insulting to other people, our neighbors. Um and and he he wears a toupee. You, you, you
0: mean your Mexican next door neighbors? They're nice people.
1: I know. Well, you know, th- this Donald apparently wants to build a fence around his house that keeps him out. I don't know. I, I don't know what the what the fence is going
0: to do. Jeez, but whatever. He sounds like such an. Well, I'll keep it PG. Yeah,
1: you know. But but my 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 uncle is just like you know. But I don't know. There's this is something authentic about him. Uh, you know, and I got, I got some of his shirts and ties that were made in Mexico in my house. Um, how do I resolve this? I need to, what am I going to do? And I was just like, uncle Ben, you're on your own on this one. I mean, I know choices are limited and, you know, lesser of two evils and all that, but, uh, I, I don't know if I can help you with this Donald situation. Uh, you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, I guess I just got to be classy and remember with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk.